warning. Says, who does he think he is? I have some dirt. Will you confirm or deny? Maybe you should rephrase this. Warning. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, let, let's focus. From reality TV to real life, it's all just so dramatic with Megan Pacetto. Guys, welcome to another episode of So Dramatic. I'm Megan Pacetto. So much to unpack today. My head is already spinning. I'm unsure if that's from the reality stars who have been confusing their blue ticks for PhDs and dishing out medical advice to the masses. Please make it stop. Now, what a weird flex the Zoom coronavirus edition of The Bachelor was. It reminded me of the Brady Bunch intro where they have all the faces on the screen. Roxy would definitely be Jan, who gets upset over Marsha, aka Bella. Wow, what a beautiful fucking analogy that was. I've even impressed myself with that one. Whenever I have Zoom meetings, I turn my camera off, then I mute the microphone, and then I mute everyone else's microphone. So I had very low expectations for this Zoom bachelor, and I wasn't wrong. The rose ceremony was just one big oxymoron. Belle was sent home, but she was already at home. She wasn't given a rose, despite already having a rose. More on that later. So the only thing I saw during the entire episode was Lockie's Lynx Africa that he had in the bathroom. Not a vibe, so is Lockie. I thought that we left that smell in 2008. Anyway, moving on. I am still looking for Lockie's personality. It must have got lost during his many travels somewhere along the way. I mean, Perth is a very long way from Sydney. Now, coming up, spoiler alert as always for this episode, lots of Bachelor bombshells, more on Roxy's walkout that is happening this week. Also, just when we thought it had finally stopped, I have more on the Amanda Mikolaf GoFundMe page saga. I have copped yet another voice memo as well as an email, which I will share with you guys because I do not deprive you here. It's so dramatic. I have become embroiled in the drama again. Police were involved. The plot thickens, guys. So much drama, such little time. Let's get into the show. But you're like the last person we can tell things to. You want to know something? I have some dirt. So juicy. Okay, so before we get into Batchy, can I just take a minute to gloat? Thank you. I just wanted to highlight the fact that four out of five of my Masked Singer predictions have been correct. Christine Arnu, Katie Noonan, Sophie Monk, and Julia Morris have all been under the masks as I predicted. Now I'm just anxiously awaiting and praying that the last one is correct since I've hyped myself up so much. I've been bragging to anyone who will listen. So I just need Grant Denyer to pull through now. I don't know how promising it's looking because I haven't been watching the show myself, but the people who have been watching have been telling me that there's no way that it's him. Sad news for me. Now, I spoke to my source who originally told me these names and they were like, girl, how come you haven't mentioned Kate Miller-Heike? And I was like, what? Then they screenshot our original conversation and they had also told me about Kate way back at the start of the season with the other names. So I did forget to include her, but... I'm not going to count it as my predictions now because <laughs> I think it is unanimous that she's the queen. So you're all probably thinking, sure, sure, you're just saying this now. So this week I was also given two more tips and they're pretty obvious. They are names that have been floating around already. So again, I'm not going to toot my own horn and act like I predicted this weeks ago. So spoiler alert, flick forward now if you don't want to know. 
I have it under good authority that Bonnie Anderson and Wiggle Simon Price are under the masks. Not sure which ones. As I said, I'm not watching. But I guess all will be revealed this week. Literally, stay tuned, guys. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now, The Bachelor. This week, we saw our favorite queen, Ariba, booted from the mansion during the Savage Mass Cull. And I am told that Ariba, although she was quite sassy on camera, actually very sassy on camera, she was very quiet in the mansion and barely spoke to the other girls. She was very reserved, which is shocking news to me, considering how sassy she was on camera and how outspoken she was. And according to my insider, she wasn't controversial or outspoken in the house at all. But as soon as it was lights, camera, action, it was a completely different story. She really turned it on for the cameras. Interesting. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now, let's talk about the star of the show from the last episode, Roxy's dog. I can reveal that the dog's name is Lottie. She's very cute, even for me, and I hate dogs. Well, I don't hate them. I just don't like them. I have a fear from a childhood trauma. Anyway, I digress. So a fun little tidbit. It wasn't the first time that Roxy's dog appeared on the show. Lottie actually walked the red carpet with her on the first night, the red carpet arrivals. However, for some strange reason, they never showed her entry. It was left on the cutting room floor along with everything else juicy that seems to have happened this season. And I have no idea why, because everyone except me loves dogs. So Channel 10 would have really pleased the audience if they had shown the dog. But again, they must have been smoking something in that editing room, unbeknownst to us. Anyway, Roxy's dog drove nine hours each way to Sydney just for her starring role that did end up being cut. The dog sounds like my life spirit animal. She was used and abused. <laughs> she was let on. She was gaslighted. She had her hopes and dreams crushed. Maybe they just thought Roxy would appear more heartless if they didn't show her with the dog. Just saying, that's my prediction. Oh my God. Oh my God. So coming up this week on The Bachelor, last episode I revealed that Roxy is set to walk from the show on the first night back in the mansion after lockdown. I have more intel on this. Pause for dramatic effect. When the girls returned to filming, they had private doctor's meetings at the hotel to make sure they were COVID safe, I guess. Juliet eavesdropped on Roxy's session and got some intel of her own, which she then used against Roxy later on. So during the cocktail party, the first one back, Lockie said he was going to kick Juliet out, but then he didn't. Production then told the girls that there was no more filming for the night. Roxy was completely distraught. She was very upset because she felt like she'd been lied to by Lockie because he hadn't kicked Juliet out as he said he was going to. And so she goes to the bathroom. She has a cry. What's new? Then back in the bedroom of the mansion when the cameras weren't rolling, Again, Warner Brothers dropped the ball and didn't film the one exciting thing that happened all season. Juliet comes into Roxy's room and says, we know you fuck everyone. Then she walks out. So savage. That was the final straw that broke the camel's back for Roxy. Roxy then chases her out of the room, totally enraged. They almost punched on. Producers had to hold the girls back from going at each other. Then the camera crew are scrambling to reassemble to film the biff because they shut up shop for the night. And Roxy's even more enraged by this and says to them, stop trying to make me out to be this person that I'm not. I'm not sticking around and dealing with this bullshit any longer. Fuck this. I'm leaving. So she storms out and leaves. 
But wait, there's more. The plot thickens again. A source tells me Juliet was eavesdropping on Roxy's meeting with the doctor and she thought she heard something when she didn't. And then the next day Roxy left. Juliet went on this tangent to all the girls saying, Roxy's been screwing around during the filming break. There is seriously not enough sage in this world to protect me from the petty drama of this season. RIP me. Do not fight amongst yourselves. Please come to me. So will you confirm or deny? At least you're honest with me. So exclusive. So if you have been following the saga of Amanda and her GoFundMe page, I hope you all have. I'm sure you've been seeing it on my Instagram as well. Actually, if you haven't, I'm not going to recap here. Go back and listen to the episode where I discussed it in full detail as I'm not going to waste the time of my A-plus students who have done their homework. So I thought that we'd put this whole drama to bed. I thought maybe we could move on, just maybe, but no, I was wrong. Here we are again, same place, same drama. The plot thickens, guys. So after my episode where I exposed some truths about Amanda and dropped a hectic voice memo plus more, I copped even more backlash from Amanda's camp. So firstly, I received an angry email from Amanda. Then I got another voice memo from a friend on her behalf. Then I got a whole segment. So (laughs) here goes nothing. Not sure why Amanda would give me more receipts when she knows that I have no hesitation presenting them to my people. Well, she's actually asked me, she begged me in fact, to present her side as well. So fine, I will, despite the email and voicemail not presenting me in the best light. I'm going to read out the email that Amanda sent me. Um, I'll read it out in full as I don't want to be accused of picking and choosing or not presenting all of the evidence. Dear Megan, I refer in this first instance (laughs) to the so dramatic podcast of, and also everything I read out is how it's been written. So if there's any mistakes, it's not, it's not on me podcast of 28 August headlined maths Amanda Mikolov launches a GoFundMe page to raise $10,000 for her move to the Gold Coast and sends Megan a savage voice message and then secondly to today's Instagram podcast post in which you refer to another spicy voice memo just a little side note from me the spicy voice memo I was referring to was actually regarding Tate, not Amanda. So she hasn't done her homework. She didn't even bother listening to the episode. She just assumed that it was about her. Anyway, back to the email. Drama never sleeps, as you so sweetly put it, but neither apparently do bullfrogs and jellyfish, (laughs) which is something I'll leave you to ponder as we formally begin the process of scrutinizing the accuracy, balance, and intellectual fairness employed in your coverage of this particular issue. That is one of the wonderful things about accountability. It works both ways. It's not only what we do, but what we don't do, for which we are accountable. But as a graduate of Sydney's most prestigious journalism course, I am probably preaching to the converted. No doubt you can, full stop, recite the tenets of ethical journalism chapter and verse. And when you were able to throw heavyweight names, <laughs> sorry, into the mix, as you did the other week with Sam Armitage, it gives me, <laughs> sorry, I have to control my laughter. This is hard to read out. It gives me some understanding of your standing in the journalism community. 
I am sure Sam appreciated you allowing her to piggyback off all your success. (laughs) So I assume the most critical consideration. (laughs) I actually can't. (laughs) I can't read this. So I assume the most critical. (laughs) So I assume the most critical consideration with any body of work which carries the Megan Pistetto seal relates to truth and accuracy. You cannot always guarantee truth, but you can always ensure with any story, the facts are right. That I assume. (laughs) Oh my God. That I assume. I'm losing it. (laughs) This is meant to be serious. Sorry. I put my serious face on. I'm burning up. I'm having a hot flush. That I assume is a cardinal principle of the fourth estate which by loose association to Sam Armitage, you are a card carrying member of. If I am correct and you are the card. It's too funny, I can't. Help. If I am correct and you are the expert on this, fairness and impartiality must coexist alongside the principles with any story you are involved with. What do they say? Every story has two sides, right? Which takes me to my next point. Your failure to provide me with at least the option of a right of reply is a significant failure on your part in the reporting of this story and certainly compelling grounds for legal action, which I will outline in the follow-up correspondence later in the week. This was sent on Sunday, the 30th of August. Today, it's almost a week later and still no follow-up correspondence. Anyway, we continue on. But in summary, let me make my position absolutely and unequivocally clear. I am putting you on notice that if you go to air this week with any further material relating to this story, without providing me first with a right of reply, there will be legal consequences. But that's life, isn't it? No question mark, just a full stop there. We all make choices, but the choices make us. Now to this apparent smoking gun, the so-called spicy voice memo (laughs) referred to in a rather cynical attempt today to stir up the mob (laughs) and boost podcast numbers, (laughs) which I'm assuming you are slavishly, don't know if that's a word, devoted to as like the bullfrog. I don't know what the bullfrog is. I'm still lost on that point. You also say you never sleep. Hey, it's true. That's not a lie. But here's the thing. Bullfrogs don't have a tertiary journalism education. So while they might be noisy, we, W-E-E, pest, we can't rely on anything they say. However, you're asking us to trust what you say. You're using your podcast as a form of moral authority to hold others to account and full stop. That's fair enough. So as long as you're willing to ask, no less of yourself. P.S. I apologize for the language I used in the voice message, which you chose to play on air last week. The language was inappropriate. The sentiment was not. Kind regards, Amanda Mikolov, Director of Divine Physiques Coaching. 
and then it's got a disclaimer at the bottom. Amanda is not an accredited practicing dietitian or exercise physiologist. Therefore, the above content should not be taken as medical advice in place of medical advice or to treat any disease. You should seek a medical professional before undergoing any nutritional or physical intervention. I am lost for words. Actually deceased. Hold my funeral tomorrow, guys. RIP me. Now, I <laughs> I responded asking Amanda three times to come on the show. I asked her to tell her side of the story. I was going to give her the floor. She would have had complete control over what she said. She has not responded to my offers. I have not received any follow-up correspondence. So anyway, that happened. Then a day later or so, I then received an abusive and threatening voice memo from a friend of Amanda's. I have confirmed the identity of the person and confirmed that they are indeed a friend of Amanda. I actually ummed and ahed about playing this audio because the friend mentions that she's sick with cancer. I wasn't sure if I should play it, but then I struggled to find the correlation between this friend having cancer and Amanda creating a tone deaf GoFundMe page for herself to move to the Gold Coast. The friend also did ask me to play the voice memo to you guys in the voice memo. So it's not as if she didn't expect me to play it. So I will play it. I will do as I'm told. Just a warning. It is more explicit than the infamous dog sea saga. It's more explicit than the voice memo that was played last week, way more. So if you have kids with you right now, you might want to skip ahead or leave the room or tell the kids to leave the room. And just as disclaimer, it does make me look like a cold hearted, sadistic bitch, but in the pursuit of journalistic fairness, I will play you the hate mail that landed in my inbox. Here goes nothing. Listen here, you stupid bitch. I am one of Amanda's closest friends. She is living with me. I have fucking cancer, you dumb fuck, and I'm dealing with all this pressure that you're putting on her. I'm going to take your fucking ass to court, you dumb slut. Take that shit off your fucking Instagram. It is all bullshit. Do you want me to take a photo of where she's really sleeping? You're fucked. I hope you go to hell. If you knew what she was going through, you wouldn't do it. Karma is going to fucking bite you in the fucking ass. Your whole career is going to go down, you dumb fucking nobody. You are fucking Satan walking on earth. I'm going to report you in every way possible. You want to fucking see real footage, you dumb bitch? Come to my house with my two children. Watch me fucking be on fucking chemo and fucking radiation, you slut. And support my friend that use a fucking bullying and bagging. Alright? I will fucking show you who fucking is strong. Only weak, simple-minded, fucking narcissistic fucks say shit like this behind a screen. You're fucking pathetic. You're fucking weak. You're fucking poor. You're a fucking loser. Alright? You are going to be wiped off social media. Your career is going to be buried with you. Alright? Because I'm telling you now, you have no idea what a fucking struggle is. You can go post this, okay? Because you're going to look like the biggest dumb fuck in the fucking world. You understand? Because you're dealing with someone now who's actually got fucking cancer, you dumb bitch. And you made me really fucking angry. How dare you criticize someone who's got nothing right now? What the fuck is your problem? So this show is turning into the Megan hate hotline. 
If anyone else wants to leave me some hate mail, my number is one 800 bitch. Now, let me unpack this some more. I Look, I feel bad that this woman has cancer. Don't get me wrong. I am sympathetic, but I am still struggling to understand how her sickness gives Amanda an excuse to ask her fans to pay an exorbitant amount of money so that she can move to the Gold Coast. There is absolutely no correlation between her illness and Amanda starting a charity to fund her sea change. Absolutely none at all. I am not accountable for this woman's secondhand stress from Amanda. Amanda needs to be accountable for her actions first and foremost. And let's not forget that Amanda was evicted due to reasons other than financial and COVID as her landlord has alleged. And I have heard another voice memo, which I mentioned in the previous episode, where Amanda contradicts her claims of being homeless and broke and says she's moving to the Gold Coast for reasons other than financial. I have also just been presenting the facts, just doing my job and sharing things that Amanda has posted publicly herself and literally just reporting on Amanda's behavior and her actions alone. Not to mention, this is an extremely threatening message to receive. I have reported it to the police and I don't think that anyone with or without cancer, with financial struggles or not, has the right to be leaving people threatening messages of abuse like this and... I won't tolerate it. Having an illness does not give you permission to abuse someone. Being homeless does not give you permission to abuse someone. And if you want to threaten and verbally abuse me like this and use bullying tactics to silence me, it will not work. I have no hesitation playing the receipts on my show. Just a heads up to anyone else who wants to abuse me in the future. Thank you. Kind regards, Megan Pistetto. This is bad behavior. Everybody calm down. Is the case for the FBI? So scandalous. So Detective Meg on the case again this week, guys. So I had a lot of questions coming in about the last episode. Uh, a lot of questions surrounding the logistics of of the COVID filming as we navigate this new territory. I have been a busy little FBI agent and I have some answers to your burning questions. Ask and you shall receive, guys. So first question, was there a producer with each girl while filming in their homes? Yes, everyone did have a personal cameraman who came into their home and filmed. How is filming obeying the lockdown laws? So I've been told that everything was sterilized and they did regular COVID tests and there were no laws broken, I'm told. The only crimes I think that were committed during the lockdown were fashion crimes when they stepped into those awful recycled onesies. Next question. Are they Airbnb houses or actual houses? No, all the houses were their actual houses. Where do the roses come from? Are they just sitting there next to the girls? Lol. Yes. They, they couriered them a fresh rose for each rose ceremony which is an oxymoron because if you don't get a rose, you've already got a rose. So when you get dumped, I guess you could yell plot twist. I got a rose anyway, bitch, and I'm keeping it. And there's nothing you can do about it because I'm like 5,000 miles away. Psych. Anyway, that's what I would do. Why did Lockie and Roxy have to change rooms for their one-on-one during the cocktail party? I don't know the answer to this for certain, but I think probably just for a change of scenery, it's probably a good way to differentiate between the group date and the single date, or maybe they just wanted to go for a 50 shades of cray vibe. I don't know. 
Did any contestants hook up with their hot cameraman? Now, I don't understand why everyone thinks the cameramen are always hot. It's like a weird fantasy you guys have or something. I have worked with a lot of cameramen in my time and most are middle-aged men with dad bods. Sorry to crush your hopes, dreams and wishes, guys, but that's the truth. Did producers live next door to the girls in their homes? No, they didn't. I think the law at the time was that you could have one person over, so they wouldn't have had to live there or anything like that. Next question, how long between shutdown and love in lockdown? I think it was about three to four weeks. They had two to three weeks of filming all up. I know that much, but we only get two episodes of Love in Lockdown. So keep that in mind. There's a lot of content that didn't get used. How much of their time was spent filming? Could they do what they wanted to during lockdown? Yes, they could still go about their normal lives for the most part. Not that you could do much with the restrictions anyway. Some did go back to work like Irina. And I guess they were told when they needed to film in advance and the filming schedule. Did they have to quarantine when they returned to the mansion? Yes, they had to quarantine in a hotel for a week or two, depending on where they had flown in from. And they were given Apple TV on their laptops and an all expenses paid for minibar, which sounds like a fucking dream come true to me. Did they have hair and makeup people living with them or did they have to do their own? They definitely did their own. And I think they did a good job because they all look stunning. Are there any rules around calling, texting and FaceTiming Lockie? No, they could chat to him as much or as little as they wanted, depending on how needy they were, I guess. Did producers monitor video calls and text messages? No, not unless it was during filming. Outside of filming, they had total free reign. Last question. It's a general filming question, not Corona related. Uh, There's always one of you guys, but it's a good question. So I'll answer it anyway. Editing fail. Laura was shown sneaking out of the mansion with her dress and shoes in hand. What's up with that? Yes, very poor filming and editing on Channel 10's behalf. But hey, what's new? So they film each girl's exit individually in the same limo. If there's multiple eliminations on the same night, they get them to drive around the block and do the sad exit crying in the back seat thing. Then they come back to the mansion. Another girl jumps in and does the same. It's like a tag team. They change out of their dresses. They give their belongings back. They give the wardrobe back. Then they collect their belongings and they are sent home in an Uber. Yes, an Uber. It's savage. It's brutal. And they also pack their suitcases before every rose ceremony too. So they're always ready to go. Morning. Oh my God. Okay, let's focus. That's all the tea I've got for you guys today. Traumatic as usual. I hope you like the tea I served up today. If you have any requests for people you want me to get on, any specific questions that you want answered, or if you have any juicy goss for me, funny memes, receipts, slide into my DMs at Dramatic Podcast. Except if your name is Creepy Chris, do not slide into my DMs anymore. That is the guy who promised me... $10,000 to chat to him and send him a picture. Funny story about that, actually. A lot of people have been messaging me for to ask me what's the latest. He 
also slid into Hannah from Big Brother's DMs, the same guy, and he said exactly the same thing. So me and Hannah was sharing receipts and screenshots and it literally had the same thing to say to both of us. He sent us the same bank transfer. So we both got scammed. It was a scam after all. So sorry, no margaritas for you guys. Now, a big thank you again to everyone who has been my eyes and ears everywhere the last few weeks. This is a job too big for one person now. So I appreciate you all being good little detectives. If you enjoyed this episode, which I assume is all of you, please subscribe, rate and review. Five stars only, of course. And to all my amazing super spreaders, keep sharing So Dramatic around more than Lockie in and out of the mansion. If you could please post a screenshot on Instagram, wherever you're listening to the podcast or share the episode link on Facebook or text it to a friend or tag a friend in one of my posts, you will be doing God's work and getting your Christian hours up. If you haven't already, join the Facebook group ASAP. That is where the real drama is happening. It is at So Dramatic Podcast on Facebook. And I know that I promised all of the people in the group a surprise when we reached 2,000 members, but we've already reached it. It happened faster than I expected. So I don't know what that surprise will be yet or when I will be delivering it, but I will start working on that now for you all. And I can't wait to bring you more Juicy Scoops next episode, whenever that might be. I think I might stick to every Friday moving forward now, but don't hold me to it. Just to be safe, make sure you've subscribed so you can access the episode as soon as it drops and I will keep you all updated. Thank you for listening to another episode of So Dramatic. Oh my God, oh my God. So Dramatic with Megan Pistetto.